Hey everybody, welcome to our second installment of FlexCast, the Faculty Learning Exchange. My name is Allie Min. I'm the Assistant Dean for Faculty Development at the College of Medicine and I'm a faculty member in the Department of Emergency Medicine. And just like last time, my partners in crime that I have here with me, I have Amber Rice, Assistant Professor in Emergency Medicine. Morning. And Mari Ricker, who's Associate Professor in Family and Community Medicine. Morning. And our guest today is Todd Vanderaw. He's the department head and professor of uh, the Department of Pharmacology. Thanks for being here, Todd. Good morning, Nance. It's, it's great to be here. So last time we talked a lot about personal vision and thinking about things that you enjoy doing and that fit kind of where you see yourself going in the future and kind of setting that goal for success and then tailoring your energy and activities to things that kind of match that. Um, and kind of along the same trajectory, I guess, we're talking today about um, time management. And the article that we're focusing on is called Tuesdays to Write. And this was actually uh, published in an emergency medicine journal the Society um, by the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine. But uh, and it was written in 2000 or published in 2008 uh, but i've read this many many times and it's one of my favorite articles about time management and i find that every time i read it i get something else out of it and think of something else to do and i think it's kind of timeless and really spans across all specialties and and areas in academic medicine and so we thought this would be a great one to talk about um so what did you guys think about it it was good. I, I definitely think it was more than just about writing, though. I think initially when I read it, I thought about, you know, the first time around, it was sort of like making time for writing. And I thought, well, that's really important to me. That's something I need to do. And then once I went through it, it really was more about time management in general. So it was a lot about how to manage your entire day um, and your entire week versus necessarily just focusing on time to write. But doing some of these things will help you to find that time. Mm -hmm. among other things. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I totally agree. So when I went through this, I, this is my first time actually reading through this article, and I agree with what Amber said there and the fact that it's not just about writing. Actually, it's about your career almost. So you can look at this and you can say, look, if I could organize my career towards these sort of six goals that he lays out in here, he really actually it does a great job in order to sort of direct you through your career, but at the same time also give you the time that you need to succeed and sort of family time. So it's really sort of properly organizing your life. I think um, the writing is sort of holding the place for whatever that thing is that you know you need to do and you want to do, but you can't seem to carve out the time mm -hmm. for it. And that could be your family mm -hmm. time that you need mm -hmm. to carve out. But also, because if you're I was trying to think, how is this applying to like all the different faculty, you know, clinical faculty, re you know, research faculty, lots of different faculty we have. And um, everyone has a chunk of work that they find trouble finding time for. So I think you can sort of put that, substitute that thing, whatever it is for writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And these are basically controlling the, the time sucks in your life, the, mm -hmm. controlling the things that tend to just take tons of time away from you and can run away. From, you know, from saying yes to things you don't have an interest mm -hmm. in because you feel obligated or um, ha not having a strategy to manage your email efficiently so mm -hmm. that you're, you know, th these are just things that can take lots of time away from anything that you're trying to get to. And if you can control those big time sinks, you can find a lot more time in your day. 
I like how the time frame the author uses it as a weekly planning system. And that's something that I use. And I think Mari and mm -hmm. I have talked about this. We kind of spend Sunday really looking at the following, the coming week and planning out the activities and like meetings and all the other things that we have going on and you know, looking at a whole month is almost too overwhelming in day to day things mm -hmm. change all the time but if you can look at a week so i actually had a little bit of trouble with that because i think that if you only look at it a week in advance your week may already be full so i feel like there's a um somewhere in between like i think if you look out two or three weeks as you're you know, people are asking for meetings or you're planning other things. If you haven't carved out some of that time, it might not be there. So I think mm -hmm. there's a there's a happy medium mm -hmm. somewhere between mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, last night when I was rereading this, um, you know, I, I have had different times in my career where I've done more, um, a lot more heavily in the clinical work where there's not a lot of extra time, and then times in my career where I've had more administrative time and. When, you're, when you have a lot of clinical time, every week seems really unrealistic. And I, for some reason, I didn't read this last time I read this article, but he actually suggests that it doesn't have to be every week. It can be two hours every other week. And that, to me, seemed, for some reason I saw it this time, more realistic. Mm -hmm. Two hours every other week is four hours a month. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that seemed like, okay, I, could, I think, even at the times in my career when I've been doing um, 80 to 90% clinical, I could have carved out four hours a month. So mm -hmm. one thing that he brings up in here, and I'm not sure if you can do this with a clinical schedule, but, you know, he, he talks about the idea that you take your calendar and you mark out an hour or two on a particular time for like the whole month. In mm -hmm. other words, and I'm sure that's hard for a clinical, but I, th I do this. I, I will actually mark out time on my calendar to say that I am doing writing and nobody's allowed to schedule during that time. And whether it's manuscript writing or grant writing, but I think that's a great way to sort of manage your time and that way you know you've put that aside because if I leave it open it'll get filled and I'll get filled with things that are probably not going to be the best use of my time so I definitely like the idea of, of marking out time on the calendar. Mm -hmm. I also like how they mention that when you block out this time however often it may be and that makes sense for you that it sort of helps you feel at least it helps me feel less guilty about the days where I'm just running meeting to meeting and meeting to meeting or whatever and, and I feel like I haven't gotten anything accomplished that day but then I look ahead in my week or month and I see oh but this day mm -hmm. I've protected and I'm going to mm -hmm. get all that work done and so I feel like for me it helps the guilt almost a little mm -hmm. bit or that that feeling like I've, I've just not been productive at all um, it helps kind of ease that a little bit. I also think that many of us, we had said something to us about this earlier, but many of us have like a prime time. Mm -hmm. And I know that I have this. Mm -hmm. There's my times, and some people are more evening, some people are more morning, I'm a morning person. But if I block out that prime time, and I know what time is going to be the best that I can actually read and write, I always mark out that time, and I kind of keep that reserved so that it's my time that I can actually do it. And even if it's an hour uh, that I find that it makes me feel like I'm more productive. And what's interesting when you're talking about sort of looking at your week ahead, I actually, on the way into work, I will think about, okay, what will I try to accomplish today? And that every day, that at least for a few minutes on my way in, I'll say, okay, I'm going to try to get at least this one thing done today. Now, sometimes that, with all the meetings that will come up by surprise, is hard to do. But I, I typically like to do that. And then on the way home, I'll think, okay, did I get that done? And did I get anything else done on top of that? But I definitely try to uh, try to at least pick one thing to make sure that I get that done or at least started or something going with, uh, with a project. 
I'm curious, mm -hmm. do you write that down or do you just... It's in my it head and when I get in in the morning, it's usually the, because, again, my morning is my prime time, I'll start with that. And usually I get here quite early so that nothing's going to bother me for a little while. So even if it's just one hour before I start, uh, I'll, I'll start working on that. And then I know, okay, it's kind of marked down. In other words, I started this. Now, sometimes it'll be only like a paragraph or sometimes it's like just the hypothesis or something or whatever. But at least it started that, you know, before the day starts getting too busy. But often I'll go back to that later on in the day or by that evening. So but I do like to have sort of a something where every day I'm coming in, I'd like to get this done, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that way, at least I feel when I go home, okay, I accomplished something, even if it was just writing one sentence. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I always have that much intention with my day. And I think it leads me to be mm -hmm. sort of a little scattered in what I'm doing and not having as much of a a focus plan so mm -hmm. I also I think that you said something also that you try and come in before other people are there mm -hmm. and I have noticed that even 10-15 minutes like if I get there 10-15 minutes before my clinic starts it gives me that space where there's not people rushing up to ask you lots of mm -hmm. questions and mm -hmm. having that space is really helpful mm -hmm. I did when I read this article again I, I thought about um, a time in my life when I had little children my kids are a little bit older now but um, and how he talked about all the things that are coming and interrupting you, and a lot of them were at work. And when you have little kids, sometimes it can be, you know, they, they can also be a huge um, part of your life that have a lot of needs. Um, <laughs> but I remember when I was, I think, 80 or 90% clinical, and I had carved out, I had sort of put a lot of clinical work on four days so I could have one day where I wasn't in the office. and. Uh, um, for whatever reason, I had full-time childcare, and I remember feeling really guilty about, I should have that one day off, and I should go and spend it all with my kids, but someone told me, one of my mentors said, you know what, keep your kids there every single day, and even if you just take four of those hours to yourself to kind of carve that out, so, um, you know, it's a, that this is a strategy you can employ even when it seems like, mm -hmm. you know, there are so many yep. other needs yep. pulling at the, the end of your <laughs> pant leg, <laughs> so to speak. So I think one big, thing that we all have in common that we try to control is our email and I think this is a common issue for lots mm -hmm. of people so I'm curious he talks a little bit about ways to control your emails and strategies and I'm wondering what you all do or think about email management well he had three tips which I I think they're great you know the first one is don't reply to to unnecessarily to emails because it's at a sort of like paying it forward like don't mm -hmm. put another email in everybody else's mm -hmm. box like mm -hmm. box if the if it, the answer is thanks right. You know, right. just don't send that extra email and no don't, reply all and don't reply all right. which are huge no <laughs> reply all the third one I actually am really curious to think to hear what you guys have to say it says um, only check your email twice a day and and really set those those dedicated times to check the email and. I wonder, 12 years later, is this, has email maybe changed since 2008? And I'm curious what you guys think about. Is that realistic? I think it's realistic. I think it would lead me to have anxiety about, <laughs> no, I don't know missing? what I'm missing. And yeah. it's probably totally unfounded and there's no reason to do that. But reading this, it made me feel like I should at least work towards not looking at my email every time that the alert pops up. That I have an email because 80% of it's garbage mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and and spending time like they mentioned like using less productive times I tend to do the opposite I I get in and I'm like okay I'm gonna start tackling my email and it's like when I'm the freshest and the like the mm -hmm. most ready to go I should be doing things that are probably more important and then 
yeah. maybe doing my email while I'm having my afternoon coffee right. in the office when I'm right. trying to not be so productive. Mm. But so I think it would I could work towards being better about that. I don't think I could shut my email off all day. Mm-hmm. But I try not to look too often as well, especially when I have a project. So if I am in the middle of writing a paper or a grant or something, I just won't look at the email because I know it will distract me. And, you know, it, we all do this. You open an email and then you get to the one that you think, oh, i got to respond to this. And by the time you're done, you just spent 30 minutes, you know, trying to write something up or somebody wanted a letter or something that had to be done right then. And I think, well, that was 30 minutes that I just, and now I'm totally distracted. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, it's hard for mm-hmm. me then to say, okay, I'm done with that email and now I'm going to go back to writing this paper. Well, it just doesn't work. So I've realized that the other thing is that you have to kind of let the audience, and when I say audience, the people that are listening to your emails, know that you'll check it once or twice. You're not going to respond instantly, and it doesn't mean that you're not a responder, but within a certain time of that day, then I'll respond. And so I tend to do that. I also have a rule where I don't have any email on my phone. Now, of course, that's difficult, but this way I'm not distracted at other times. In other words, I have to get my computer out to actually open the email. And that way, this really works, especially for the weekends and family time because everybody has the phone right there but if I don't have my email on there all I have is just people either calling or text and that way it limits it and I don't look at the email at that time so I think it makes it at least my family time better so I think that's really interesting mm-hmm. I am um, I have I have this like again guilt for some reason guilt kind of runs my life I don't know why but this feeling <laughs> that like people expect me to respond mm-hmm. right away and I think it's this uh-huh. almost like over inflated sense of self-importance I don't know that people are <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the bottleneck to like right. anything moving forward mm-hmm. and so I feel like if I'm not responding to something like progress on a project or something might be halted with me and I don't want to carry that mm-hmm. um, but I know that in reality nobody really expects you to respond to anything Mm-hmm. right away and so I've sort of learned that over time and so I do shut off my email I don't even open Outlook at times when I want to actually focus on writing or you know some creative thinking I just don't even open the Outlook um, but it's it's a it's a process I think you know every once in a while I fall back to that I have to respond to everything right now and um, <laughs> but I, I catch myself more often now to turn it off but it's a really I don't know it's difficult it almost seems like the the point that he has about the making your absence felt physically, it's mm-hmm. sort of making your absence mm-hmm. felt electronically. Mm-hmm. And people yep. people it's begin the to same expect thing. Yeah. that mm-hmm. you will respond immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know right. Mario responded to that email within thirty right. seconds. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um and and yep. you know, really reserving like yep. the text or the phone call for the emergency or urgency yep. um versus feeling like email is urgent. It also I don't remember where it was in the article, but talking about what's important to you versus what's important to other people. And email, mm-hmm. is obviously, most of the time, 98% is important to other people. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, you get a piece of information that you really needed, but yep. it's usually people asking you yep. for things. Yep. There was a quote at the end of, near the end of the article that says, goals without deadlines are known as dreams, and dreams rarely come true. Yeah. I'm curious what you guys thought about that. I thought it was a great quote because I think that... Uh, I think that really rings true, you know, to some to some extent. So, I mean, I thought that was actually a good quote. I don't know what everybody else thought about that. I I agree. It's a really good quote, and I <laughs> I read it with challenge because I feel like it's something I really struggle with. Um, every either everything is urgent or everything is not urgent. I think I'm a little better for myself at doing the. Um, 
sort of letting things go, like the sort of quitting projects that you know maybe need to walk away from. Um, if I've had it on my to-do list for three or four months, I mm -hmm. sort of think, well, I, I guess that is really not going to happen. But mm -hmm. the setting the goals and deadlines seems like uh, I know I'm really bad at it, and maybe I'm not very good at um, picking a realistic mm -hmm. a realistic timeline. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have better Yeah, ways? that's important. I mean, I don't know if you guys do, but I always write down a list. Actually, I have a list right here. <laughs> and so I write down the things that I want. I don't really put a deadline on it, but if the list keeps growing, it bothers me. And yeah. so I have to, and you know, there's, some, there's something rewarding too when I get to scratch it out. You'll see my top two are scratched out here. So there's something about the list, and then as I do it, then I get to scratch it out. But if it gets too long, it starts. But I never really put it on a timeline because then I have done that before, and then I become really sort of depressed, like I didn't get it done. And then what's happening now? Do I need to rewrite a new list? You know, something like that. But I, I'm really big about making a list, uh, also because I tend to forget some things. And so this way I won't forget what I have to do. But also it makes it kind of this goal where I accomplish it, and then I can kind of cut, write it, put a line through it on my list. Maybe deadlines are only needed for so, like for some projects. Like I think you know, Allie and I have given each other a deadline. Mm -hmm. We're trying to put our promotion mm -hmm. packets together, and mm -hmm. I have personally felt that. It was a pretty aggressive deadline. I'll, I will put it out there. I, I didn't meet our first deadline, Mari. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it gave me um, like some accountability. And we, we sort of said, okay, rough draft on this date, words on a page on this date, these things. But um, it's it's given me some um, urgency versus, and, and breaking it down, breaking the project mm -hmm. down into sections and putting it two weeks apart. It certainly helped me um, at least get something done versus like just ha feeling the weight of this looming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, trust. I've started separating my to-do list into more, these are things that have to get done like today. Like I have to get these things done today. And those are the things that sort of at the beginning of the week as I'm making up my weekly schedule, I tend to write those things down. Like what do I need to get done by the end of the week? These are more important. And then I have another list of things that are, it's a to-do list, but it's like a future to-do list. It's mm -hmm. things that aren't on my immediate timetable, but I don't want to forget about them. Mm -hmm. I want them there. I want them written down. But it's not something I have to get done by the end of the week. It's yeah. things like putting stuff in my you know, resume, making sure that my resume is up to date. Oh, I want it up to date by, you know, March or something like that. So putting that on my more future things. So when I do have time, I need to get them done, but they don't have to get done this week. Yeah. yeah. And then there's, so. there's things have that have dates, like when your packet has to go in or when I have a grant that's a due date, you know. So there's things that are, are definitely there, and sometimes those will move up on the list. But in general, I, I mean, I do think that... Uh, you know, I like to have it and I like to accomplish it. I mean, it, there's a great feeling to say, okay, at least I got this done uh, and that that's off, so. Yeah, I was sort of torn when I read that quote because uh, the romantic in me thinks that we should have aspirations and going back to our first flex cast, we were talking <laughs> about your vision and what success looks like and I think it's hard sometimes to put deadlines on some of those things, um, but I do think that keeping yourself accountable to something helps you stay productive whether mm -hmm. it's like an accountability buddy like Mari and I have <laughs> done or you know you put something on your calendar that says you're going to have something done by this date and breaking it up into more realistic pieces I think is, is a good strategy but I think you know you have to you have to dream big a little bit and then and then scale it as you're trying to actually bring things into reality. So this other section um, that he calls it get to know, but he talks a lot about um, saying no to projects. And I, um, obviously I struggle with this. I <laughs> I think I'm overcommitted for sure. The white spaces are being filled up with 
committees and um, things that I have said yes to. Um, but he brought up a couple things that I haven't heard before. Like I th I've heard people say, you know, you should do things that are really more important for your promotion, or you should do things, um, you know, in certain areas. And but he brought up things that he that I hadn't heard about. Sort of um, really looking at the the work of the committee or the project and seeing, you know, is this something that that is your focus and that you actually bring mm -hmm. qualities to? And if not, if you're not bringing anything to this, or this isn't using your, you know, qualities, then Maybe it's not right for you if it's poorly organized, if they have an unrealistic deadline. Um, and I had never really thought about how, about mm -hmm. really looking at different projects in yeah. that way versus yeah. just, is this something I'm interested in yeah. or not? Yeah. And um, appraisal of yeah. what's, what they're doing versus... So I, I really yeah. liked that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that's a good point, too. Is that, you know, at first, I also had trouble saying no, but now... I really pursue the things that I have passion for. And I realize that if I don't have passion or it's somebody else's passion, because other people's passion likes to drag you in, you know, so they're excited about it and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's really neat. But if you have passion for something and you know, the, the creation of this chronic pain and addiction center, I, I've dreamed about this for like five years. And so somehow I kept kind of, you know, going after it and going after it, wouldn't let it go. And so it now has become that reality. But I've realized that it's, it's easier when you have a project that you have great passion for, something that you're really excited about, and that's what you've been dreaming about. And I realized that I can get very easily sucked into other people's passion, but I, I tried to stay focused in the last few years of what I wanted to accomplish. So, congratulations, by the yeah, way. Thanks. Yeah, I had to learn to say no, and it, for me, it doesn't sound like no because to me, to say no to somebody sounds—it's awkward for me. So, learning to say things like, "You know what? I got to check my calendar." And then I have time to think about it and figure out and actually think about it before I respond. Because most of the time, like you said, I haven't appraised it. I haven't thought anything about the project. It's something just someone asked you to do and you feel sort of the sense of obligation to help out or it sounds some, like it could be something that's really neat and you don't want to tell people no. Mm -hmm. But if you can stop for a second and just get in the habit of saying, let me just check my calendar and I'll get back to you. And then you have the time mm -hmm. to sort of really figure out, is this something that I'm going to do? And then, then you can get go back in, in a reasonable way, say, you know what, this just doesn't fit with what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. And then it's not saying no, but it's not, you know, it's really just saying, like, it doesn't fit for me right now, but I think it's a really good idea. And, and if you don't know what it is, like asking other people, like, do you yeah. know about this project? Is this, is this a lot of work? Is this a little commitment? Is this something you think I would, that would be a good fit for me, people who yeah. might know more about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great point, Amber. Yeah. I uh, read a book about leadership too, and one of the things that they emphasize over and over is take the time. People will come and ask you for everything, whether it's your time to do this, they'll ask you for money, they'll ask all kinds of things, but you never sort of say yes. You say, well, let me think about it, and, and that was the important thing of this whole textbook was in all these different situations where you basically need the time to say, let me, let me think about it. You know, give me some time or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you make much wiser decisions than a decision that you might make right there in the heat of a moment when somebody's yelling at you or wants something. Mm -hmm. So and it just occurred <coughs> to me when you said it doesn't really sound like no, and sometimes it doesn't have to be no. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a great opportunity to sponsor somebody else mm -hmm. for something. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I, I don't have mm -hmm. the time right now, but mm -hmm. you know who would be great? Todd would be really great. <laughs> <laughs> kind of pass the buck a little bit. But, uh, but His time management skills are great. I'm sure he can fit it right in. <laughs> Well, and they may be asking you because they know you, mm -hmm. and they know that right. you've done well in projects, right. and right. you know, mm -hmm. you know, Allie can get things done. But they don't know all the other people, so it's mm -hmm. it's just you're sort of expanding yeah, that's very their. True. Um, yeah. 
Yep. Do you guys yeah. set time uh, aside? Like I have a certain set time on certain evenings or even on weekends where it will always be, uh, you know, an example is like it'll be date night. And a lot of times work will try to say, well, we're having this big opening on such and such night or something. And, uh, and I purposely will automatically always say no. I've gotten to the point where I didn't in the first, you know, I, I had a lot of pressure. Like I have to go to this. This is the big opening of blah, blah, blah. You have to show and, up. Yeah, exactly. You've got to be there. there. And then I realized that, you know, th- this wasn't important in my life. You know, it wasn't near as important as the date night that I had with my wife. And so I, I realized that, I don't know if you guys do this, but I think that was a very important thing that I established. And now what's interesting is that everybody knows it so all the work people all the family all the everybody else or friends will always say oh you can't schedule something on that because that's Todd's date night <laughs> and so it's kind of interesting that once you sort of have that it, it, it nobody schedules you know or and even if it is a big thing that the university is scheduling I'll just automatically not go so do you have a date night every week every week every Friday night there's always a date night no matter what the university says or whatever <laughs> work says or family that's or friends awesome. yeah that's great I try to do one a month yeah. for husbands <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's really great one thing I um, started doing last year was saying I would only do one um, one work event a mm-hmm. week during the week because mm-hmm. I found myself mm-hmm. yep. um, gone four nights a week doing work events um, it all seemed important and so I tried to Yep. I've tried to set that boundary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely try to protect evenings and weekends. Mm-hmm. Even with clinical work, I will work less desirable shifts during the week mm-hmm. in order to save my evenings and weekends. That's what I do too. Yeah, yeah I think it pays off. I agree. And I think um, I'll go to events. And I, I, what I was going to say is I think maybe saying no to some of those bigger events where you feel like you have, like your bosses have to mm-hmm. see you mm-hmm. show up, I think probably it becomes a little bit easier when you reach a certain point in your career. I think when you're early on, you still feel that pressure to like, I have to show face and you know, people have to see that I'm engaged, but I think you reach a point where you're, and maybe that's, this is just me projecting, but I feel like at some point you reach a stage where Mm -hmm. people know, they know this about you. They know the work you do and maybe you've created your brand at that point (laughs) and you don't then right. need to show up at these events that may be less important. Oh, that's very true. I kind of went through that phase, you know, to say that. And then, you know, there was the phase where the date night was to bring my wife to the event. Well, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that quickly, too. <laughs> so, but that is I'm true. in that phase. I realized that that doesn't work. No. <laughs> Any other tips you guys have in general that you found that help with managing your time and priorities that we haven't already talked about? There was one section in here right in that we talk a lot about, know when to fold them. You know, sometimes I think that is an also an, a very important uh, thing to follow in the fact that you try and you try, but sometimes things just won't work. And you realize that, uh, you know, that you have to sort of say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and let this one go because you can waste a lot of time and then realize in the end it never, it never happened, uh, the paper never got was written the group never came together we didn't have the right you know things to put things together as far as a grant so I think I, I use this one a lot especially when it comes to grant writing and I realize that there's a lot of great ideas people get together everybody's gonna start working on pretty soon you realize it's you who doing all the work and I realize that look if nobody else is gonna participate I have to learn to just say okay I really like the idea but it's done nobody else really is participating and I have to make sure I know when to fold them and so I kind of walk away and sometimes that was hard. In the beginning, there was a lot of things that I just thought we could all, you know, I could do it all. But I realized that it, uh, you can spend a lot of time with many different projects. I think that was an important point in here also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not failure to yeah. put something aside and use your time towards something else. Exactly. Yep. I actually, there was one other section we didn't talk as much as I thought we would about, which is um, sort of 
replicating the airplane or the hotel room, yeah. which, um, you know, that thinking about how effective you can be on a mm-hmm. hotel in a mm-hmm. hotel room mm-hmm. where there's this clean desk with no interruptions mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, how and when you're on an airplane there's no washing machine there's no <laughs> dishes there's no I, I purposely won't even do email when I go to a hotel for a while so I'll go I'll check in I'll start working right away and if several hours will go by and I'll start looking at what food can I bring in here before I'll even check email so hmm. I definitely have done the whole hotel thing and set up almost an office where I don't get bothered so it's like creating mm-hmm. that experience, whether you know, of no interruptions, mm-hmm. essentially creating mm-hmm. that experience and that mindset mm-hmm. in those two hours that you know we're trying to set aside mm-hmm. every other week. Yep. Yeah, I think actually coffee shops for me are pretty mm-hmm. good because yep. I can. Yep. There's still nothing there. There's yep. enough. There's not any one thing distracting you. There's enough right. people around that it's just like a buzz, and then mm-hmm. you know. Even else airplanes. To do. For some reason, I can get on an airplane. I think it's helpful just to start working maybe then people won't <laughs> sit and talk to you start talking to you it's kind of, yeah it's interesting <laughs> i can sit on an airplane and just work for a while and even if it's all the way to the east coast and it seems like it's gonna be a long you're like oh what am i gonna do I, it'll the flight will be landing I'm like oh my gosh we're already done or that flight went quickly <laughs> so. yeah it's valuable internet yep yeah i mm-hmm. recently had had something i needed to put re- a ton of hours mm-hmm. into and i sort of pulled my physician friends and you know what do you guys do when you're studying for boards you just need to put a large chunk of Mm -hmm. hours and all of them said they go away Mm -hmm. they go away for the weekend either go to a hotel by themselves go go away and so I actually this weekend drove to my parents house two hours away (laughs) and just like hunkered down at the um, dining room table where I used to do my homework as a little kid and I just had my headphones on and my computer and you know got solid deep Mm -hmm. work done and uh, you know it was it was very, it was sort of like creating the hotel room that, yeah. you know, here in Arizona. Yeah, so. but you realize how much intention it takes to create yeah. some some of this time sometimes. It mm-hmm. doesn't just happen. You can't just yeah. like walk into your office, you walk into every yeah. day, plop down on the desk and expect to be that productive. Like it, you have to create that. And it's mm-hmm. like if you don't Maybe do it's that. the changing of the environment. You mm-hmm. know, now that we sit and talk about this, I'm just re- reflecting on the f- idea that I can go in my office and I'll start getting, you know, working on things that are probably going to waste my time versus if I purposely set out, I'm going to go to this coffee shop, I'm going to sit in this particular table, get a coffee and start working. It's like I've created a new environment. So in my mind, I think, okay, now I'm going to get this done. That's why I created that environment. Mm -hmm. So that's a good point. I I like that. I think all of these Mm -hmm. things require a lot of intention, Mm -hmm. but if you put the intention into it, it Mm -hmm. potentially could save you a ton of time. Okay. So to summarize what we've talked about over the last few minutes here, I think uh, comes down to three main points. The first is just even reading this article and carving out a little bit of time to manage your time. It may save you a lot of time in the future, if I can say time one more time, but having <laughs> having intention about your time management and planning your schedule will help kind of create some balance and order to your to your day and your week. And planning the space hmm. and planning mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah, being in your space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yep. brings us to the second point, which be would be managing distractions. So mm-hmm. thinking yeah, about these time sinks, right? Yeah. yeah. All the things in your day that distract you from whatever your goal is, whether it be email or people coming in or meetings and committees that you're on that maybe are not in line with your goals. But thinking about all those distractions and finding ways to either compartmentalize those things to certain parts of the day or or saying no to some things. And then finally, the third thing is 
honing what your passions are. So we talked about, you know, knowing when to fold them and when things are not going the way you planned or something is just not progressing and you, you realize it's going to come to an end, thinking about whether you just need to kind of let that one go or meetings and committees that you think are not organized or not meeting certain goals that you have for yourself, that knowing when to kind of pull yourself away from, from these things. And there's a quote in the article that we all agreed that we liked a little bit, which is, time management is the ultimate wellness tool. And I think this goes back to having intention about your priorities and the passions, both in your personal life and your professional life, and trying to minimize the distractions you have to pay attention to those passions and priorities. And we all know that everybody's lives are unique and our, our priorities are different and that these time strategies, time management strategies, they're not all going to work for everybody and that you each have to think about your own schedules and what makes sense for you. But I, we do think that this article that is going to be linked in the show notes, we encourage you to read it because I think that everybody's going to get something out of it, whether it's just a little tip or tool or a little quote that sticks with you. I think it really, you'll find something that resonates with you, even if it's not, you know, the whole global picture. Mm-hmm. So we end all of our flex casts with a flex fun moment. And um, I just wanted to share my passion, my newfound passion for escape rooms. I'm <laughs> <laughs> glad you're back. We're glad yeah, you made it out. Thanks. thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we made it out. I highly encourage them. I did my first one actually in Las Vegas with my family over Thanksgiving. And then um, I took my kids to one for her birthday. And it was really fun. So the one we went to in town was called Ace of Escape. Um, and there'll be a link to their website in the show notes. But there are several in Tucson that are really great. Um, We're going to Fox in a Box really soon. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's a really great fun event just for your family, but also it's a really great team building thing. I'm going to take my students there, I think, this week and and make them work through it (laughs) together. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, it's a fun moment. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in to our second episode. Um, as always, you can send me an email. My email is on the website with the, with the um, podcast. If you have any ideas for future episodes or any thoughts or comments, feel free to send them my way. And we'll see you next time. Bye.